Welcome everybody back to Top Shelf Talks. This is the Hockey Stripes edition. Just wanted to give everybody a quick date. I am sorry I didn't podcast last week. I was feeling a little bit under the weather. Also had some other things that I need to take care of outside hockey. I did get back on the ice for the first time since my injury back last October. And it was a great time. I did some adult league stuff here in the summer. It was a good time. Players were good. Decent play. A few penalties. Nothing crazy happened. But uh, it was just good to get back on the ice considering here in North Florida it's in the mid-90s. Being there in the... Uh, being it's 40 some degrees so just scouring social media this week and trying to uh, check on the usa hockey website to see how things are going with registration and with testing i've seen quite a few of my peers in other areas that are doing the level one on ice seminars and classes going pretty well i know they had a box of them up in uh, the pittsburgh area this week to get a friend of mine up there mike who does a lot of the uh, official seminars up pittsburgh area and reported uh, they had quite a few participants, uh, 65 in today's, and I think about the same numbers in yesterday's. So helping out there with the referee numbers, at least for the level ones, uh, level twos, level threes, those are all being done by Zoom and level four. So we don't really have any good statistics. Uh, I've heard they are underway and things are going really well. So if you haven't signed up yet, get signed up for that that in-person session. If you're level two, level three, get on the Zooms doesn't matter what region you're in. You don't have to be in your state. I know when I did mine uh, two years ago, I was in uh, doing one in Atlanta. I was, of course, in North Florida. But I was also traveling for work at the same time, so I was actually in another state actually doing the seminar from my hotel room. So they make it really convenient for Level 2, Level 3 officials this year for Level 4. Some things I saw also in the social media world, some issues with uh, referee counts, especially in the junior levels. I know the British Columbia Hockey League reported that they are going to be short officials. They have 50 officials this year for the British Columbia Hockey League for the 23-24 season. I mean, 50 officials sounds like a lot, but if you start doing two referees and two linesmen per game, even if you mix them up and some of the linesmen do referee and some referees do linesmen, you run out of officials pretty quick with travel and other commitments that the officials may or may not have because most of the officials doing Juniors are usually part-time, so they have full-time jobs on top of their commitments to officiate for junior level. So definitely some issues uh, coming out of British Columbia. Also, the Canadian Junior Hockey League reporting that they are seeing some difficult times in scheduling referees, and they had access to about 100 last year, and they are thinking the same numbers this year. They're hoping to get to 150, but right now they say they're at around 100. Definitely up to our partners up north there. They're having some troubles, just like here in the States, having officials step up, especially at the junior. Hopefully it doesn't trickle down to your local areas there, but it could potentially do that if we don't keep our numbers up. I know for the registration for me, I did complete my crust, according to USA Hockey, is in the mail. They mailed it out on uh, first. I think that was the first day probably that they sent out the crests because I finished all my stuff. Of course, I'm a tenured official, so I don't have to go to the seminar. I finished up everything around the middle of July, and I just had my card sent. So I'm just waiting for that to come. And then in addition to that here locally, we're doing numbers. So I've got to get my number and get my jersey all squared away for the 23-24 season. 
Some things I wanted to note, I know I talked about and I received a couple emails about is the test itself, the open book test. Uh, what do I do? Tricks and things that I do for an open book test. I know a good friend of mine here local, he likes to take the test cold and pass it. And then if he doesn't pass, he goes back and focuses on those things on the retest that he missed. The way that I do it is I print the test off after I log in. And you can do that pretty easily. The only bummer is recently in the last couple of years, it prints like two paint questions for a page. So it uses up quite a bit of paper. But for a 50 question test, it's about 30, I say 30 pages. For the 100 question test, it's quite a few. But I print it off and then I just go down through the ones that are obvious that I know because I've been doing this a long time. I just circle them. Then I double check it with the rule book just to make sure because I know where the rule of reference is. But then the ones I'm not sure of, I actually go into the case book. And a lot of times what I do is I used to do it on my iPad or my phone. And I've noticed the search criteria is kind of weird. So I actually do the PDF. I'll download the PDF rule book for that year with the case book because a lot of the questions come from the case book. And then I'll go into the case book and just run a search on specific words in that particular question. And if you do it long enough, you can figure out which words you're going to key in on. But once you do that, you'll get down to the rule reference, and literally some of these are word for word right out of the case book, these questions. They just take whatever the statement is, the case book, make a question out of it. That's how I do it. It usually takes me, i say, for the 100, which I had to take before being tenured, it took me probably off and on. I usually did like 10 at a time, about two and a half hours to do it. This, this The 50-question one takes me about an hour to do it. Like I said, I do like 10 questions at a time. I may take a break from work pop over to rule book, do the search, do 10 questions, and then go back to it a little bit later. But that seems to work the best for me. And then when I'm ready, I kind of review them, go online. And the nice thing about the new system is it gives you immediate feedback. When I first started officiating, you submitted the whole thing, you hit the submit button, and it told you all the ones you got wrong. And then you're like, okay, I got all these wrong. And then you had to retake the whole thing over again. They then went from there to where you only had to take the ones that you missed. This new one is really awesome because it'll give you instant feedback. You hit submit, it goes, boom, you made it, you're wrong. This is why you're wrong. Here's the rule reference why you're wrong. And then that way, if you wanted to, you could even print it off. And then you just, when you do your retest, if you didn't pass, you can just go back and look at those rules because they're going to give you a question that's either complete polar opposite of that subject or they're going to give you something close to it, but not the exact question. I found that out. It may look exact, but it's not. And really, the, the, the open book test on the new system is pretty darn good. So after that, I just submit it. Most times I can pass on the first try. Uh, I know this year I did. I got a 48 out of 50. Uh, two years ago, I think I missed by one. And then the closed book tests, we used to have to take that, obviously, when you were at your seminar, if you're level two, level three, or level four. And now if you do it online, they give you like five days to take it online. And it really is easy. I mean, they give you plenty of time. I think it's like an hour. It's all true or false, obviously. And then if you've taken, uh, you just read the questions. But I will say this, read the questions carefully on the closed book test because they'll try to trick you uh, with words. You know, really, it's if you pay attention to your instructors on the Zoom and you know the rule book pretty well, you shouldn't have any problem passing the uh, level three or level four actual uh, closed book test. Now, moving on to uh, registration again, I saw some stuff on social media. I think they got it corrected now. So folks were having some problems out there. I think they got that corrected now, but I could be wrong. I'm just scouring through the Facebook pages here, and it looks like they may have gotten it corrected. I know, like I said, mine was acting kind of weird. Resources-wise, I would say 
you know, local resources that you have. If you have questions about the USA hockey, you can always email them. Usually it takes about a day or two to get back. I've had to have them questions about different things. And it usually takes them a few days to get back to you, but they were more than happy to get back. You can call uh, this time of year is pretty cray cray there in Denver. So I don't know how fast they get back. You could definitely email USA hockey if you're having trouble. And most times they get back to you that day or the next day uh, via email. So moving on a couple other things I saw emphasis they're trying to make on the checking, especially in the checking leagues, which would be your U 14 and higher uh, stick down possession of the puck. A uh, player has to have possession of the puck, stick down, not to go below. A lot of, again, another emphasis on that. More emphasis on um, puck control. Uh, they still have the icing rules in play. I know some of us that do older, like adult and high school, and then we have to flip over to youth. It, sometimes it takes a, I don't know, a few series or two, a couple whistles to figure out, you know, hey, it goes over the blue line, automatic icing. And uh, at least the players this year, this is, I think, the second or third year for that rule. Uh, going into effect, and I think some of the players are starting to now get it, especially at the older levels, and uh, we shouldn't see so many whistles, I think, this year because they're getting used to having to look in there make sure other players are in the attacking zone. So that's the offside changes, and then, of course, the icing changes on PK. I think everybody's pretty much gotten used to that one. That one's been in for quite some time now, I think at least five years. Everybody's getting used to it. Well, for this week, that's going to wrap up. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to probably talk about a little bit more on the uh, stick foul penalties, some of the stuff that we see more often, especially at the lower levels. Uh, interference, what does interference really mean? And then how is interference different than a charge? i still promising to do the uh, YouTube page. Again, I'm shooting for the 1st of September to start dropping content on the YouTube page. But uh, right now, uh, these other commitments I've had have kind of sucked things up. So I want to get this podcast out to everybody, and everybody have a great week. I appreciate everybody's support.